Wait, I thought Mussolini was a pasta shape. Anyway, welcome back to Bizarre Podcast, Dogs Must Die. My name is Grant, you can call him Chip, and today we are talking about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Golden Wind, episodes 33 through 35. This stretch of three episodes are Mm -hmm. probably the ones stuck in my head the most, like in my memory, (laughs) for multiple reasons. You know, uh-huh. getting closer to the end, there's going to be some big things happening, maybe some new like plot revelations, something like that. But also, there's just a lot of crazy shit going, going yeah, on here. Like, this <laughs> is just three episodes of crazy shit. There's not even really a fight, per se, in no. these episodes. It feels like the story was about to get to its end, and Iraqi went, wait, <laughs> I just had a crazy idea. <laughs> and I mean, I love it. I mean, there's like skirmishes but i really don't think there's a fight fight you know yeah yeah maybe one of the biggest stretches in jojo without a fight fight so let's start with episodio 33 his name is diavolo and uh we, we pick up right where we left off with bruno having lost the strength to stand but he's so determined to get mm-hmm. into the Colosseum, and and as Dopio is about to karate chop him into double death, he's <laughs> like, "Wait a minute! This guy's so determined to get into the Colosseum." Yeah, Dopio's just wait a minute. This I should just help Bucciarati here get into wherever he wants yeah, to go. He he can't lead me to these big secrets if he's dead. Exactly. Yeah. Dopio decides to play nice. Mm-hmm. And and offers to help Bruno, you know, take him wherever he wants to go. And Bruno's yeah, just like, he's, he's going to get his like assisting the elderly merit badge, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And uh, that brings us to the OP. And Bruno is in a real, real bad way. Um, yes, like, yeah. This is it's hard to watch how much his body has has failed him. Uh, uh following you know the, the fallout of that last fight and. Mm-hmm. What are what do we think? Eighteen hours of being dead, like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at least <laughs> everything is so compressed in this. Yeah, like Bruno is also beginning to act like it's not just that he's acting weak. He's almost almost feels like his memory, like he's getting a little dotty. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, he he tells Dopio, "Oh, I need to go across the road to the Colosseum." And as they're getting ready to go, Bruno takes one step forward, walks into a little like knee high railing and trips over it and almost gets run over by a speeding car before Dopio can save him. So yeah, Dopio does reach out, grabs him and and saves his life from uh, uh, just getting splattered. And now he's confused. This this guy's hand feels like a corpse. Wait a minute. He, <laughs> he cannot see or hear. But if he can't see, how can he ask about the giant gash on my neck? Wait a minute. The giant gash on my neck is hidden by my turtleneck. This None of this makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dopio's just a little freaked out, but decides to, you know, keep going on with this. Taking Bruno across the road. And as he gets halfway across the road, there's like a, a median there with like a little, like the median's like three feet high. Mm-hmm. Uh, right as they pass by that, Dopio sees like, oh shit, Misa's right across the road. Just like he's just rubbing, rubbing the building. Yeah. yeah. He- <laughs> Never been to the Coliseum before. I gotta get, gotta rub it. Just give it a nice stroke, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I get it. Whenever I'm walking down Addison, I do, like, go out of my way to cross the street and, like, touch Wrigley. I mm-hmm. I've, I I understand, you know? <laughs> yeah. 
And so Dopio just ducks behind this median and Bruno's just like, hey, why did we stop? We got it. We got it. Time is running short. Like, I got to fucking go. Okay. <laughs> For multiple reasons. I'm melting. The hacker man's going to die or something. I don't know. <laughs> so, so Dopio is like, okay, new plan. Same as the old plan. I, I, I can't deal with all these guys together. Got to Got to kill this dude now. But then his phone rings. Yes. And Bruno is so immediately confused. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Dopio keeps making the, the telephone ring, ringing sound, gra- opens his bag, pulls out a phone, and just screams into it like, why the fuck are you calling me right now? This is the absolute worst time to do this. To which Bruno replies, for God's sake, what perplexing game are you playing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, on the other side of the road, we've got Jorno, Trish, and Mista running around. Trish is the, in turtle duty for once with Narancha inside the turtle, I believe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and she is getting a bad feeling because she can sense her dad's soul nearby. So Jorno orders her back inside the turtle because he's so worried about cooties. Uh, mm. uh, and <laughs> just because Trish is back at the turtle doesn't mean we won't be seeing her. Because as uh, uh, like the headlights speed by... Like, Bruno's vision fuzzes a bit, and he sees Dopio as Trish. He thinks he's with Trish now. Yeah, uh, and the, the boss on the phone is telling Dopio, I don't know how the fuck it happened, this dude's a zombie. There's there's two boys and a girl in that boy. Yeah, yeah. it's just a whole lot happening. <laughs> and, and the boss theorizes, like, okay, this dude has lost his sight, he lost hearing from the the previous fight with Seko, but he can still hear and see people because he's got soul vision. All Mm -hmm, he can mm -hmm. sense are people's souls. And since the boss and Trish are, you know, related, (laughs) their their soul aura is very similar. Similar enough that when he sees the boss, it it looks to him like Trish with a different haircut, I guess. They're they're that close. Yeah, yeah. The, the boss even gives an example like, oh, the, the reason Bruno like sees through your lies about when a car is coming through his blindness is he's like sensing the souls of the driver. Does that mean the one guy that almost ran him over has no soul? There's a soulless motorist <laughs> uh, uh, loose in Rome? Yeah, I guess so. Or another another zombie? I don't know. Oh, oh. Was an animal driving it? They don't have souls, I think. <laughs> That's not true. Oh wait, no, that's not that. true. That's that does come back. That's not true. <laughs> a dog could have been driving that car. My favorite part of this whole thing though is like when Dopio shouts into his phone, you're gonna blow my freaking cover out loud <laughs> in front of the guy he's trying to fool. <laughs> yeah. And I think that I think that's when Bruno is saying, like, what stupid game are you playing right now or whatever? It's so good. Yeah. So yeah, now with Bruno thinking that Dopio's Trish, they they keep going along the to the other side of the road and going into the Coliseum now that the rest of the mm-hmm, gang has mm-hmm. like gone elsewhere. Dopio is in control, but he's partially transformed into the boss. He's he's got the boss eyes. Yeah. Which is I mean, the eyes are the window to the soul. There there we go. So that's why mm-hmm. his his camouflage is working. Yeah, I think the boss, like, straight up says on the phone, like, I partially cloaked you with my soul or, or whatever. <laughs> but 
but as Dopio is is wheeling Bruno just barely into the Colosseum, Bruno's talking about like, hey Trish, when all of this is over, I have a really tiny house in like Naples and it's you know, it's not a lot, but if you want to start a new life, you're welcome to to stay there. We got great food. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. He even talks about the school district, like he's an yeah. estate agent for yeah. some reason. <laughs> but some somewhere in here, uh, we did already reach the mid episode title card. Unusually early, it's yeah. uh, King Crimson is back. Mm-mm. But they they make it down to like the center of the Colosseum, you know, in in among the ruins of the the like I don't know performance space, mm-hmm. uh, whatever you want to call the the middle bit, the field. Uh, the field. I don't know. Yeah, the boss is whispering into Dopio's ear, like he knows they're being watched, but it's like, ah, 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 don't look, don't look. Find the reflection of of whoever's watching us in Bruno's eye. That's <laughs> how you will see him safely without calling any attention to to us. Yeah, I love the way. So, like this whole time, Dopio is bringing Bruno in. Like Dopio just has the phone, like in mm-hmm. his left hand or whatever. And I just love like the the when the boss begins talking again once they're in the Colosseum. Like, the angle you're looking at Dopio, you can't see that arm until just, like, his hand with the phone just, like, boop, right out from behind him, like, as a completely separate person. (laughs) (laughs) So, so yes, of course, it is Polnareff looking down on them, and Polnareff is a professional. He's... Oh, yeah. This is not his first rodeo. Uh, He's like, hey, hey, I don't know who the fuck this is wrapped around you, Bruno Bucciarati, but uh, they were not invited. You you gotta freeze. Do not move. Do not take a step closer, or I will fucking end this right here. <laughs> yeah, and Bruno's just like, hey, that this person has only been with us for a couple days, but you can you will see that she's not a part of the mafia. She she's on our side. Her name's Trish, and and Polarev's like, what the fuck do you mean she? Wait a wait a dot dang minute here. Mm-hmm. I don't see any ladies around, and I would know. I love to look at ladies. <laughs> Still have that Polaroid of those legs I took 20 years ago or whatever. <laughs> There's two things I know in this world, babes and toilets, and I don't want to poop on that. So <laughs> I think about that beautiful woman who vomited and exploded in that alleyway every day. <laughs> and there was a larger woman inside that smaller woman. So, <laughs> it was a twofer best day of my life <laughs> and so and so the boss has some advice for his sweet little boy <laughs> act furious at him for doubting your femininity do yeah. it dopio <laughs> so dopio just kind of puts on a bit of a falsetto and just like hey fuck you <laughs> and it works and yeah it works. Polar's just like oh my bad Say whatever you will about Jean-Pierre Polnareff, but he's a firm believer in self-ID, and we respect him. Yeah. <laughs> Not insult or anything. He just goes, sorry. <laughs> My deepest apologies, mademoiselle. <laughs> yes, yes, that's what he says. Oh, it's so funny. <sighs> But okay, ju- just because you know we've cleared that up doesn't mean he's trusting you know yeah, on other yeah. fronts still. So the the next request is I'd like to see her stand first and no sudden movements. This is little red JoJo's hood. Like, <laughs> yeah, my what big stats you have? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. As Polnareff is saying, okay, show me your stand. 
don't fucking move. Uh, I will determine if you're trustworthy uh, by the by you doing this. Polnareff is holding on to the special arrow, the three-pronged arrow with the bug on it. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and the boss, through Dopio's eyes, is able to see this go like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, the boss does not know who this is at all. Completely yeah. clueless. And Polnareff's like, hey, hey, come on, come on, bring it out. Quote, think of it like lifting up your skirt nice and slow. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh-huh. That's, that's our Stardust Crusaders Polnareff <laughs> art, all right? That's Polnareff, yep. <sighs> oh, one step forward, two steps back. Yeah. Maybe the other way around. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Also, Polnareff is thinking to himself, wow, I can feel the bloodlust from here, which is like, I feel like no one's done that in JoJo for a while. That, that That's also like him bringing back the part three stuff for a bit, just talking about bloodlust, mm-hmm, the bloodlust mm-hmm. energy. And also, if that's true, maybe you should, I don't know, do something about it. Uh- yeah. But, like, him shifting his gaze and, and, like, readying himself has brought the arrow into view in the reflection in Bruno Bucciarati's eyeball. Yeah. At this point, this is when both the boss and Polnareff recognize each other at the same time, and they have a dual simultaneous flashback. Yes, yes, this is great. Uh, uh, they they go into the flashback zone in tandem, hand yep. in hand. And so th- as we eventually get back to the present, they are tag teaming narration of the flashback. Yeah, it's kind of cool, actually. I like it. It's great. It's great. So uh, uh, we start with the boss's perspective of him as a young man volunteering at a dig site in Egypt. Yes, yep. And what he finds is... Is six arrowheads in a box, six stand creating arrows, Mm -hmm. (laughs) five standard version, and the special one with a bug. Yeah. I I guess that unnamed uh, arrow creator from time immemorial was just like, okay, now it's time for a silly one. Here we go. (laughs) Yeah, I'm getting bored of these normal ones. (laughs) Because they, like, okay, this is the one that's plot important. But mm-hmm. it's never implied that it is in any way functionally different from any other arrow. Right. It just looks special. Yeah, it just looks special. Different eras of, of that man's arrow crafting mm-hmm, work. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually, he started adding his own like signature to his arrowheads, which was the bug. After looting this discovery from, from the dig site, I guess, he sells five to, to Enya yep. and keeps the sixth one for himself. And and what he sells it for is not money or anything, but just instructions on what to do with it. Yeah. I, I, Enya has apparently been encountering arrows for a while, so she already knows how to use these when he sells them to her. But is in need of them, or, you know, at least in bulk. I, I don't know. Yeah. Do you think he felt cheated when the instructions were like, okay, and now you poke somebody with it? <laughs> yeah. The yeah. end. Oh, man. If you ask nicely, the arrow will tell you who to poke for best results. <laughs> yeah. If you just cut yourself while you were digging these up, you would already have your answer. So I, she, she also gives him some stand user lore, like how, you know, they, they are bound to one another, attracted to one another, mm-hmm. uh, the, the ties of stand user fate, all, all that stuff. And then Polnareff takes the narrator handoff. Uh, he was also investigating ruins around in the early 90s with his best friend Jotaro Kucho. Mm-hmm. And so now we're seeing Stardust Crusaders era Jotaro and Polnareff, but in part five style. 
So yes. they're both slim. They're still muscular, but they're definitely slimmed down. And Jotaro looks younger. He now. looks like an actual teenager for the first time in his life. Yeah, it's wild. It's so crazy <laughs> to see. Yeah, this is like post killing Dio, I, be- I believe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just investigating the arrows together in Egypt. So they hear this rumor about a young man who had a box full of these things. Mm-hmm. And they, they try to try to track him down. And so they, they figure the best thing to do is split up. And mm-hmm. uh, Jotaro takes two thirds of the planet. <laughs> America and Asia. <laughs> That's a lot of ground to cover. That's a lot of ground. That's a lot of population. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, yeah, while Europe and Africa are Polderef's territory, because, you know, he doesn't want to go too far from home. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. Uh, you know what this means? Hmm. Australia, you have carte blanche for stand crimes. Nobody's watching. Oh, shit. It, it's a free for all down there. We, we got to have a JoJo take place in Australia. It's, <laughs> I don't think it's ever been visited, right? Uh, but but this does sort of recontextualize Jotaro's mission in part four. Mm-hmm. Like th- this is why the big thing, like oh, okay, we got a got some family business. Sure, there's this weird Angelo picture. Okay, okay, but like bottom of the stack, but top of his mind was you know Enya and Arrow stuff. He's been yeah, looking yeah. for this Arrow for like ten years by that point. Mm-hmm. Polnareff started investigating uh, a specific area of Italy where her drug-induced youth deaths was 20 times the national average. Yes, yes. The secret to finding the arrows isn't to look for magic punching men. (laughs) It's to look for where people are selling drugs to kids, but like a (laughs) lot, a lot. Yeah. There's... Eventually, there's going to be a stand that just makes drugs, right? And sells them to kids. That's and how we sells know it's them evil. to kids. Yeah. You think the CEO of Amerisource Bergen is a stand user? <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, Polnareff is checking out uh, this this hot spot in Italy of the only bad crime, uh, and then yeah, handoff. Spe- speaking of that that hot spot, it's where the boss has been building his his network. He he has in the year since made a near perfect mafia <laughs> that is like fully mobilized, fully integrated, pulling the strings of society as we have seen. It's what mm. Passione does. They they explode senators with cars if they get out of line. <laughs> yeah. And then he hears about this weird French guy trying to track him down. Hmm. Wait a minute. So yeah, he decides to take care of him personally, after all, Mm -hmm. and they have a cliffside showdown uh, high over the Mediterranean. It's very picturesque. This is when it hands off to Polnareff again for narration, and Polnareff starts off saying, I made two mistakes! (laughs) One, this mafia was way more integrated into Italy than I thought it was. (laughs) They control, like, the government, communications, the media, like, what... what do you care that they control the media? Are you going to write a letter to the editor about stands? <laughs> what What does that have to do with you? And then uh, his second mistake was uh, getting owned, <laughs> basically. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It, it was underestimating the unstoppable might of King Crimson. Yep. And so we see Polnareff already injured and bleeding, like with his back to the, the cliff, try to attack King Crimson with Silver Chariot. And of course... King Crimson just eliminates time and uh, first pokes out Silver Chariot's eyeball. Well, no, he goes straight for Polnareff. He leaves oh, the no, stand alone. Right. 
It's, yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it's like a karate chop through Polnareff's face. Yes, yes. <laughs> to, to fuck up his, his now fucked up eye. And then another karate chop that takes both of his legs off in a single swing. And yeah, Polnareff with all, like, half of his limbs missing just falls, like, 300 feet onto a rock down below just blood everywhere and survives the mediterranean has turned blood red and i choose to believe that's that's literal it's uh, <laughs> he yeah. bled that much and yeah that that's when we get back to the present where the boss is shocked that polnareff fucking lived through that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there must have been a fucking speed wagon submarine or something right next to him to immediately mm-hmm bring him in well one of the the manga anime differences is in the book originally when Polnareff is talking about how Passione like cut him off from communications that was specifically to his speed wagon allies that's uh, why he couldn't call for backup from Jotaro or yeah just a bunch of people with peed Agon hats <laughs> or anything yeah damn that, that's the navy that's that's how yeah, you yeah. tell it. it's the, the seafaring division <laughs> Pedagon the the Pedagon that's right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Following their moment of rec- uh, mutual recognition, uh, the boss is like, oh, shit, how is that guy here? And Polnareff's like, hey, Bruno, that's not who you said it is. Mm-hmm. Get away. And like the instant he says that, Dopio is just gone. Bruno is mm-hmm, on mm-hmm. His, his hands and knees. At this point, completely incapacitated. He's barely alive. Something rolls by Polnareff uh, and, and like hits his wheelchair and it's a part of his binoculars he had that were like mm-hmm. resting nearby. They they've been they're on the ground in pieces now. Meanwhile, the others have uh, made it to the Colosseum, and they notice that like their their steps fall out of rhythm. They're like so focused on on like time skipping. They see just that. Like oh shit, oh yep. fuck, things are happening. Yep. Polnareff's up on the second level, and this is when Dopio starts to walk up the stairs towards Polnareff. And he sends them to the Shadow Realm. Yeah, they go they go to the King Crimson Shadow Realm. Like the the stones of the Colosseum are like torn away as, as like a star field swirls around mm. the the platform on which they stand in in the King Crimson time zone. Yeah. It's so cool. It's so good. And the King Crimson time zone is where Dopio switches into the boss. It's yeah, like- yeah. He walks behind the remnants of one of these pillars while taking his sweater off, and that's all the wipe he needs to be like, bam, this is what Diavolo looks like. It's me. <laughs> Yeah, so Diavolo is Dopio, but Buffer, his hair is completely down. He gets little, like, watermelon seed splotches all over his pink hair. And he's wearing a mesh shirt uh, that's I guess, has been beneath the, the turtleneck all this time with tails, with, like, long tuxedo coat-style yeah. tails. I guess you could say this is a shirt, but really it only goes down to the nipples. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, it is extremely fashion looking though. Like, damn. But yeah, tails on it, and th- yeah, we we switch from Dopio's voice to the boss's voice, which is very deep and raspy and menacing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think the boss's English dub voice in this is really good. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot, um, and he gets to have some fun in the next couple episodes. Oh yeah. Too. So so uh, time restarts after uh, uh. So I guess from everyone else's perspective, 
a, a second of lost time. And then bloop, the, the boy's the other boy now. Here he is. Yep. And Polnareff says, walk up these steps and see what happens, asshole. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I have the high ground and you're stuck down there. I love this moment. I love this moment Mm -hmm. because Diavolo's big reveal is an inversion of Dio's big reveal. Mm. It's Polnareff on top of the staircase. Yeah. God, that's so good. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, that's so rad. That's a good callback. Fuck. (laughs) I never even processed that. (laughs) So yeah, as Polnareff is saying like, hey, don't fucking test me. I'm above. You're below. I have the advantage. He bites his index finger. You're my brother, Anakin. This is set in 2001. The prequels are just coming out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, Polnareff bites his index finger, so it starts bleeding, and, and the, the, the blood drops are dripping onto his leg. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the boss is like, ah, yes. If you watch the blood drops, you'll be able to see when time skips. And I'm like, ah, yes, you could have worn a watch. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> This is when Diavolo charges at Polnareff, and Polnareff is just watching the blood drops, and when he sees several more suddenly appear on his leg, that's when Silver Chariot pops out and does, like, a fucking Ocarina of Time-ass spin attack mm-hmm, all mm-hmm. around him. Silver Chariot is, of course, so fast, the only way you can outspeed it is by being able to manipulate time itself. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, uh, at, by doing this like AOE sweep at, at light speed, Silver Chariot does land a gash down the forearm of the boss. And he's mm-hmm. like, ah, yeah, you're pretty good. Yeah. Fucking fast enough to still get me even when I can when I can predict the future a couple seconds ahead. Yeah. And then Silver Chariot does something pretty unpredictable. Oh, yeah. It grabs the wheelchair and, you know, Polnareff uh, uh, with it and rockets into the sky. <laughs> yeah, just fucking grabs Polnareff by the wheel, <laughs> the, the back. 60 feet vertically. <laughs> just throws Polnareff fucking high into the air <laughs> to get the fuck away from Diablo because he's like two feet behind Polnareff now. Uh, uh. But yeah, this is when Diablo pauses time again. He He takes some of the blood from his arm wound and just throws it spatters it all over Polnareff's eyes so he can't mm-hmm, see mm-hmm. blood drops again. And then he goes to just fucking karate chop Polnareff's head in half. But something, something happened during that big jump. Hmm. Silver Chariot's face is melting a little bit. Yeah, the the special arrow, Polnareff has taken it and jabbed it into Silver Chariot's face. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> So there's this huge flash of light, and the bottom half of Silver Chariot has become liquid metal, and it, its torso just scampers around, much like Chocolata, I guess, yeah. and scurries away with that arrow lodged in its face the whole time. Yeah. Polnareff is gasping for air, thinking to himself that this was a really desperate uh, action he just took, but it's the only way to protect the arrow. He hopes that this action is enough to get the arrow into the proper hands. Uh, and this is when Diavolo, super pissed off about this and confused as to what the fuck is going on with the arrow, he punches Polnareff clean through. Like so many before him. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. He, he gets the Abakio send-off. Mm-hmm. And uh, now Silver Chariot just dissolves entirely while Polnareff collapses. But, you know... He, he doesn't have regrets. He, his dying thoughts are about like hope 
and and the embodiment of hope in the arrow and whoever controls the arrow will, will control the whole world mm-hmm. and so Giavolo takes the arrow whoops ah oh. oh, shit <laughs> uh and the last thing like you get one last close-up of Polnareff's face as the life like fades out of his eyes and you get the the spirit fog the spirit mm-hmm. mist coming out off his body and you just see like a big collage of the entire uh Stardust Crusaders gang one yeah, last time they're all there in various poses various moments throughout their journeys together Iggy's just up in the top right corner <laughs> just... hanging out in the sky <laughs> also it's hard to see because it's covered up by Polnareff's face on the left but fucking uh one of the enemy stands is there too yeah yeah the, the hail to you fake genie stand yes. is here <laughs> yeah for some along with the jeep they had for 15 minutes before <laughs> and Duel destroyed it Oh, it's just that <laughs> this one very specific moment in time is burned into Polnareff's mind, I suppose. Oh, remember when we peed on that guy? Hell yeah. Yeah. Those were the good old days. All right. <laughs> so yeah, Polner- Jean-Pierre Polnareff is now dead. Uh, we are running out of Crusaders here. Yeah. And, and Diavolo like, thanks him for his service as, as the Turtle Trio finally, you know, gets up to the... the arena field of the coliseum and, and finds bruno mm-hmm. that's not quite the end because our final image is of silver chariot with a brand new look and some swagger he's strong oh my god yeah diablo just sees this this like shiny jet black figure that fucking has got a stride to him <laughs> And he's walking away from Diablo, and he's freaked out, like, how the fuck did you get here? And the final shot of this episode is the camera zooming in on the back of the brand new silver chariot with a imprint of the arrow, like an indentation of that special arrow, like, burned into the side of his neck. Yeah, he got a neck tattoo. He's bad as shit, man. Yep. Episodio Trento Quarto. Uh, The Requiem quietly plays part one. A quick recap of that whole cliffhanger situation. While Diavolo now demands answers from the Silver Musketeer. Yes, God, yeah, that's, yeah, Silver Chariot looks like a Three Musketeer now a little bit. Cool Mm -hmm, fucking mm -hmm. hat. He's got a cool, jaunty hat. Uh, uh, He has, you know, clothes. He's not like a skeletal robot anymore. He's a guy. Yeah. Uh, uh, The the sort of, like, uh, steel circle motif that Chariot had in, like, his joints in some parts is now the epaulets on this coat. Yeah. Yeah, he's like... I don't know. He's sort of like a shiny jet black rubber surface, but with Mm -hmm. sort of the swirling of of like an oil slick kind of. Yeah, just kind of overlaid on top of him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah, he's he's got like sort of poofy pants, not not quite jodhpurs, but you know. Yeah. Wide thighed pants that that taper toward the knee, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and yeah, he, he just looks like he's there to to uh, make Cardinal Richelieu eat his words. <laughs> uh, <Yeah. laughs> and Diablo's just wa- watching this new silver chariot walk down the stairs slowly, and it's kind of like steaming too, like from where the arrow imprint is on its neck, it's just kind of sizzling and, and and steaming. And as Diablo tries to continue to walk, he notices. Like- Whoop. Hey, what? who are you? What the fuck? What's going on? What, what's going on? And then the cl- arrow clatters to the ground and he's like, did I drop that? How did How did I drop that? Wait a minute. Yep. And just kind of tumbles down the stairs and Silver Chariot just picks that up 
And as Diablo tries to chase after him, he just gets really tired, eventually <laughs> falls to his knees, and then sits down and falls asleep. Everybody's had a very, very long day. They all deserve a nap. Bruno mm-hmm. collapses entirely for at least four reasons. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Meast is asleep. Trish is asleep. Jorno's asleep. One must reason that Narancia is asleep inside the turtle. Yeah, the turtle's asleep. Every- it's nap time. Everyone take a fucking nap. <laughs> and and yeah, a chariot redux is just walking away with that arrow. Mm-hmm. And after the OP, we see that all of Rome is very, very sleepy. Yeah. Oh, we should bring up the OP has changed as well. Is this where it changed? Yep. Okay. Yeah, it's the, the OP is the same until you get to the bit where you see a finger with blood dripping on the ground. Uh, and instead of you seeing the time skip of the blood drops... You get to see King Crimson tear everything away into the the time zone. Mm, Mm -hmm. You you know, you see Diavolo walk behind Giorno and you get to see him do like the dopio thing of the future being projected onto the back side of his bangs. And then time resumes and then they they fight. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's it's, again, it's very Dio. Mm -hmm. Big big Dio parallels. And the song is also subtly different because they added like... Diavolo is screaming about himself. Yes, yes. While an Italian choir is chanting other things, and that Italian choir keeps going after time resumes, mm-hmm. backing up the the Japanese singer saying "Hell no," etc. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. But back out of the OP, it's not just the the main characters and villains that are asleep here. Uh, everyone in Rome has fallen asleep, at least <laughs> in the next several city blocks. Because uh, the dog is asleep uh, outside. There's a woman and her baby who have just collapsed on the road and are, are asleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, two cops. Yep. And, and the perp in the back seat are all asleep. Yeah, And they were driving slowly, but their car just kind of coasts into a pylon and crashes into it very, very gently. <laughs> so, so back in the Coliseum, a flower blooms and a little bee emerges. And I think, oh, what is Gold Experience got up to in the meantime? And the answer <laughs> is nothing. This is just a nice little bit of, of some pastoralism in the middle of, of our uh, adventure story. Yeah. And some like some time passes. It was nighttime and now it's like early morning and it started to rain. Mm-hmm. It's a little foggy now. So Jorno and Trish wake up in the morning rain and Jorno is shocked to see that his hands are covered in blood. He's like, I, what happened here? I didn't do this. So, so Trish runs over, steps on Mista's gun, which like flips it up into the air, grabs Coco Jumbo, crouches behind cover, and the gun falls perfectly into her hand. Jesus Christ, put this girl in a fight. Let her fight. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Except that's not quite what happened because the person I've been calling Giorno is not Giorno. Yes. And uh, uh, the person I've been calling Trish is indeed Mista. Yes. The instant both Giorno and Trish wake up, you can tell something is up because their voice actors are putting on different voices. Yeah, yeah. Not like different voices, but like different inflections hitting different registers. Uh, uh, As will become very clear very shortly... Uh, there's been a big old body swap, and yep. they did the thing I really prefer in a body swap story as far as voices go. They kept the voice actor tied to the body mm-hmm. and trusted them to do a performance related to the, the new care person occupying that body rather yes. than uh, just like 
you you know that that's really Narancia and not uh, Giorno because it's Narancia's voice. Yeah. Uh, no, no, I hate that. That that's lazy and it's boring. Yeah, I agree. This is far more interesting. And they all really make a meal out of it. Like, yeah, yeah. This is this part is a lot more enjoyable when I can listen to it in English and I can like pick up the inflections better. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Before they even act, like both in, I mean, again, a, a strength of you know this dub script's command of character voice, but also you know the actors' performances. Like mm-hmm. I, I knew who was who long before they figured it out. You know, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that, that is a credit to the team for sure. Yeah, Narancia is now in Jorno's body, and Mista is in Trish's body. Trish's voice actors acting like Mista is very fun. She uh, should just play Mista in all the other episodes. <laughs> She's a great Mista. Yeah. Now, uh, you know, Mista as Trish is taking cover with the gun. Giorno, or Narancia as Giorno, is, is taking cover. And this is when they all start getting very confused about who's calling who because they don't realize they have swapped bodies yet until, you know, Mista as Trish realizes his his dick is gone yeah, yeah, he gropes himself a lot. He realizes he has boobs and exclaims, what the hell are these? How'd I grow a pair of chesticles? <laughs> yes. And that's when you really know it's Mista in there. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, yeah. My dingling is gone. Where'd you go, little guy? <laughs> yeah. Little guy? That's what you're going to go with? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Why not big fella? I'm, let me big, just big, throw out a suggestion. Big yeah, fella. Big man, big dude. Hog on the town. <laughs> Where's my hog on the town? <laughs> Don't let Polnareff hear that. He's going <laughs> to... Flashbacks. Trauma yeah. flashbacks. Yeah. It's a good thing he died. So he doesn't have to hear this. <laughs> I'm always saying this. It's a great thing Polnareff is dead. <laughs> uh, eventually, they figure out... That they they all did swapsies. It's not like everyone hopped one body to the left. It's like even switches, right? Yep. Jorno is Narancia. Narancia is Jorno. Mista is Trish. Trish is Mista. Yep. And Trish is having a very, very bad day. Yeah. She she is freaking out about uh, hair and smells and also seeing uh, her body get groped. Uh, yeah. Not not a great way to wake up. Uh, mm-hmm. My goodness, Mista could stand to be a little bit dismissive, considering he just held a funeral for his dick a second ago. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we we get a, a a little scene that's just Trish and Mista in each other's bodies, both freaking out and getting pissed off at each other, and Trish just hating how disgusting. Like she says, if I had to switch, I wish it could be literally anyone else, because <laughs> I think everyone else takes showers except for this fucking dude. Yeah, I bet Abakio got manicures. Like, yeah, right. Oh yeah. Honestly, it really seems if you want to be, you want to body switch swap with any of these guys, it would be Giorno or if Bruno wasn't a zombie, Bruno, because they yeah, seem I mean, like yeah. the ones that like put cologne on and stuff. No, Giorno is definitely the the most like uh uh hygienic. Just using <laughs> the word hygienic seems like a low bar. But, yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Frankly, I think Narancia and Mista are pretty even. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Any of the dead guys are better than either of them. <laughs> yeah. I think Narancia probably got worse the instant Fugo left the group. Mm, yeah, yeah. Finally, no one left to tell me to brush my teeth. 
the weirdest thing in this whole whole swap is seeing like stillness and deliberation on Naranche's face. Yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> Naranche's voice actor it's, does a really good job at acting like Jorno. It's so uncanny. Like that's yeah. oh my, you should not be doing that. No. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. There, there's even even aside from the the performances, there's also like. In some scenes, you can really tell they took care to make everyone just, like, hold their stance differently. Because mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. the Rancha stands around way more like Jorno now. Like, you, even <laughs> if he didn't speak, you could tell. He's acting like Jorno right there. And Jorno doesn't really get slouchy, you know, in comparison. Yeah. Trish, though, is really laying it on a little bit thick. Hey, tr- can, can we pull it back a bit to focus on the, the task at hand? Like, uh-uh... <laughs> She's really going for for how uh, uh, she, she wants everyone to know exactly how disgusted she is to the point that Mista says, quote, words can hurt as much as bullets sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And frankly, he would know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this keeps going. Honestly, the two of them, it, they will not let up to the point that we get, shall we say, a discussion on uh, uh, the custodial care of the body. Uh <laughs> vis-a-vis itchy undergarments and uh yeah misa in trish's body just like keeps itching at the crotch region because everything she's wearing i god what does he say in the english dub he says it's like two rubber bands pulling his ass apart or something something yeah. like that yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. but while th- that high those hijinks are happening Narancha in in Giorno's body is trying to figure out like hey can we still pull our stands out What's going on there? And after trying to pull out Aerosmith and it not working for a second, uh, eventually it pops out. And yes, their stands have switched along or have come along with them. So mm-hmm, everyone mm-hmm. still has ownership of their own stand, just in a different body. And their stands are fucking supercharged. Yeah, everyone's stands have got more powerful than normal right now. Mista fires off sex pistols and is able to like destroy six iron railings on on a a fence nearby with a single bullet i'm pretty sure destroying a part of the coliseum is a serious crime though yep it's okay it's one of the cool crimes we we did not sell any drugs to the coliseum's (laughs) kids yeah it's fine Narancia surprises me because he's the first one to consider that bruno may not be bruno still lying unconscious in the middle of the field here yeah bruno's body is yeah just limp on the ground now like a hundred feet or so away from them. And everyone's just like, is he alive? And even, is he the boss? Yeah. And it's like, okay, let's keep our distance for now. And this is when Jorno in Naranja's body notices, hey, the turtle's alive. It's crawled up onto a little pillar nearby where it's got like a little outcropping halfway up it. And it's moaning about its pain. <laughs> yeah. It's like, man, this hurts. <laughs> There, there are a few little little moans we skipped. There, there is a like cutaway outside, and and all of oh, those yes. those bystanders are waking up in swapped bodies. Like, uh, the the mother's body is crying while the baby is uh, uh, awake and trying to like comfort her. The the one cop in in the the car is swipped, has swapped with the the criminal in the back, while the other cop in the car has swapped with a sparrow. <laughs> that, <laughs> yes. that is. A sparrow that now has the mind of a man hanging out on the hood of this car. God, yeah, and you can tell, and the sparrow is just like tweeting a bunch, very con- like very concerned sounding. 
while the actual cop is just going tweet tweet uh and and a guy and his dog have swapped both <laughs> are barking at each other yeah yes yeah <laughs> so so we know that yeah tur- turtles are susceptible to this as well perhaps even stand uh stand user turtles but also trish still won't fucking stop and it's one thing when her reactions are like being upset at mista mm-hmm. and the situation but when she's just like shrieking and going ew gross nasty boys yeah like okay okay maybe if i'm being generous the 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 whole thing is like she's overcompensating this like quote-unquote girliness for having lost her femininity but let's let's be honest it really is just going overboard uh to wring everything possible out of this joke to the point Uh, of like character inconsistency which ruins the joke character consistency is (laughs) what makes this joke work yeah come on on. this sucks this frankly sucks yeah anyways the turtle is saying this hurts (laughs) (laughs) coco jumbo is walking around talking that ain't Coco Jumbo, baby. No. Nope. That is Jean-Pierre Polnareff, because that is how he introduces himself the first of, like, four times. Yeah, yes. Every moment possible, this turtle will turn around and say, I am Jean-Pierre Polnareff. <laughs> he keeps saying it. Yeah. You, you almost spoiled this. Do you recall? Yes. This is ages ago yeah. when we were talking about when, when Coco Jumbo first appeared and you were laughing at the idea that Coco Jumbo had a voice actor listed. You even named the voice I actor I and I that. trimmed that out of the episode yeah. in case people recognize the name as the same actor who plays Polnareff. Yeah, I read that and just thought like, oh, well, the, I guess the turtle makes some utterances or something reading that voice actor, not realizing that voice actor was fucking Polnareff's. And, and this like, is why. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, uh, in in the moment, uh, uh, Giorno summons Gold Experience to uppercut this turtle and pop the key out of his back, deactivating Mister President to expel whoever is talking from inside this turtle. Mm-hmm. But Giorno, that's not how it works. It's the turtle talking. There's no one hiding in Mister President. The turtle has the soul of a of a dead Frenchman. Yeah. Who is the super hacker. <laughs> yeah. So you just hear from, like the, the turtle flapping his mouth and you just hear Polnareff's voice, voice saying, it's me, I am the turtle. <laughs> so so that brings us to the middle of the episode. The title card is a diagram of who swapped with who. And and Bruno is has got like a big question mark. Yes. Still, still don't know. Mm-hmm. So the reason I didn't want to skip that that cutaway outside, we see like the swap between the the dog walker and the dog, mm-hmm. the cop and the bird. The animals, even though they they are home to the souls of of adult human Italians, mm-hmm. <laughs> they still just make the dog noises and the bird noises. Yeah, this implies that Coco Jumbo could speak human language yes. all along and just didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He just had nothing to say. <laughs> Coco Jumbo was taught if you have nothing nice to say, say nothing. Uh and Coco Jumbo is actually a very mean turtle. That's that's what I think. 
So just, God, imagine if Polnareff was still, Polnareff's body was still just slightly alive and it was just also speaking English, but just being a huge asshole or something. <laughs> How can you tell the difference? Yeah. I, I guess yeah. it wouldn't be sprinkling in French every few words. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know all the French swears. I watch JoJo's. <laughs> <laughs> so Polnareff is claiming responsibility for this current situation. Uh, the arrow did all the big swapsies and the big sleepies, both, mm-hmm. both. And so Narancha hops up onto to you know some of the the ruined stone around and and gets a bead on Polnareff's corpse uh, because he is a dedicated fact checker. He's like, yeah, yeah, this this checks out. That yeah, <laughs> zero Pinocchios on this one, sir. <laughs> So Silver Chariot has gone rogue. That is the situation. It, it, he is under his own control. He cannot be recalled. He's to- totally separated from Polnareff. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and this turtle, this turtle trying to be commanding yes. is adorable. I love it. <laughs> he thinks he's a little Frenchman, this little turtle. <laughs> <laughs> Just the utter like urgency and seriousness that this turtle is saying but it's just a turtle. It's so good. I also just think out of any JoJo character that could become a turtle, Polnareff is the funniest one to pick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean we we're talking about inversions from part three. Like, what? what's the funniest thing that, a nin- that, that could be a ninja, a turtle? And we've been riding that wave for like almost 40 years now, right? <laughs> yeah. What's the funniest thing that Polnareff, the the dashing swordsman, could be? A turtle. A he turtle. could be a turtle. But also, yeah. like going back to to one of the points uh, uh, we we talked about way back in part three about how Polnareff is the most like grounded to bodily functions and physicality, mm-hmm. and he's a smelly boy who's always peeing on things, <laughs> and and now. He's completely disembodied. He's a floating ghost. I mean, I guess he's re-embodied. He's a turtle. But yeah. there, there is something spectral and ethereal about him. Mm-hmm. I mean, we didn't get much of wizened uh, uh, post-showdown uh, Polnareff, but there is something to an idea that that was a middle stage. I, I would like to have seen a Polnareff really reliant on Silver Chariot to do... Yeah. Uh, a, as like a mobility aid to to live through his non-embodied self yeah, before yeah. he becomes a non-embodied self yeah yeah this is this is when Polnareff is starting to talk about like the nature of this special arrow mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and all of this and he's just like okay it's story time uh, <laughs> gather round he's children full- He's full of flashbacks. He's he's just stuffed to the gills with them. It's been so long since we've seen him. He's got so many stories to tell. But yes, now we're flashing back to two years ago after he had already been heavily injured by mm-hmm, Diablo. Mm-hmm. I, d- depending on the month, I guess, uh, this is happening during Diamond is Unbreakable. What was yeah. Polnareff up to? He was convalescing in an idyllic farmhouse. Yes, hiding away in, in this village. The, the arrow that he had with him had fallen behind, like, some furniture and a wall. He does not start the flashback far enough back to tell us how it got there. Were you doing baton tricks? <laughs> right. Is Polnareff real into devil sticks? How did that get back there? Come on, come on, you could be honest. Yeah. 
Polnareff is having difficulty grabbing the arrow where it is because you know he, he's wheel he's bound to his wheelchair. Yeah, he he can't figure out a way to like arrange his body and his chair to get the reach and the angle uh, to get behind this dresser, and he's just like, "Oh right, I'll do that thing Grant said like thirty seconds ago. I'll I'll have Silver Chariot go get it." Yeah, and this is when Silver Chariot, when he he goes to pick it up, accidentally like cuts his finger on the arrowhead and begins to immediately. Uh, have like a bright golden glow emit from his body and everyone and everything passes out the the cows out the window just collapse yeah uh and this is when polner figured out that this this arrow stands can level up if they touch mm-hmm, this arrow mm-hmm. yeah the, the, this big bright light emerging from silver chariot's finger it begins to like uh, uh, transform into the swag musketeer and and uh, Polnareff just snatches the arrow out of Silver Chariot's hand uh, uh, before any of these unknown changes can become permanent. Yeah. And then all, all the cows and farmhands wake up, thankfully. Mm-hmm. He, he just talks about like, okay, because I died, it completely separated me from the stand, which is doing its own thing now. And I've been desperately trying to find someone like you to pass this arrow onto because i can't fucking deal with diablo he's too mm-hmm, fucking mm-hmm. strong he, he believes himself to be too weak uh, yeah and, and spent all the time since trying to find his his brave warriors to destroy diablo uh, uh and, and seize the arrow and like entrust it to someone worthy because it is like the ultimate power like he, he believes in his very heart that if you can make cows get real sleepy you can rule the world <laughs> yeah yeah and so Polnareff tells them, hey, your number one priority now is to go get that arrow back from my new upgraded silver chariot uh, before the boss does and, and master There's the power like of the arrow. like another dozen arrows banging around. You can get another arrow. <laughs> yeah. Jotaro has two. He has two now. Mm-hmm. There's a busted one on the floor of Polpo's uh, jail cell. What yeah, happened to yeah. that? Hmm. <laughs> but Polnareff's like, wait, I'm not done. <laughs> Quote, I have one last shocking piece of information to give you. Yeah. He's been so lonely these past few years. <laughs> yeah. And he he asks for Trish. Uh, and he's just like, hey, the boss has two personalities. This, this is a significant difference between the subtitle translation and the dub script. Because, yeah, that's what he says in the subs. He just mm-hmm. straight up talks about there's two uh, personalities. Uh, but in the dub, he's much vaguer and doesn't seem to understand how it is. Only that it is. That boy is two boys. Yeah. It, it could be anything. They they could just be two people blinking out of a, a portal or something. Uh, I I don't know who who could say. But in the subtitle, it's like yeah, there's he, he has split personalities. There's two souls, one body. Yeah, this is significant later. Mm-hmm. And this is when Polnareff says like, hey, there was a boy that somehow disgu- disguised himself as you, Trish. This person is also the boss. Uh, or they're like, yeah, two people working together somehow. This is one Jorno is just like, that makes no sense. The boss is so secretive that how would he ever entrust anything to another person? But but that is when Aerosmith spots Diavolo's body rushing back toward the Colosseum. Mm-hmm. All, all discussion is halted as Jorno. You know what Jorno does? 
He does hand signals. He calls out a play with a series of like four or five detailed hand signals. This is so gratifying. (laughs) They have fucking hand signals now. And so everyone wordlessly takes cover and and sets up for this ambush. And and Trish, Trish recognizes the face running toward them as the one left in, in the monument impression. Yes, yes. It is funny seeing like what Diavo actually looks like when every time you see the boss... Like, just in silhouette, it's a much more traditional-looking mafioso guy in a Mm -hmm, red mm -hmm. suit and slicked back hair. (laughs) Well, now it's action time. The hair goes wild when it's time to to kill people in the field, personally. Yep. Diavolo's body, with whoever is in the driver's seat, is rushing towards them. Everyone is fearing for the worst. Anything could have happened. But wait a minute. Swag Chariot is in the shadows, too. (laughs) Yep. And this is when... Uh, we get the new stand name. It's Chariot Requiem. Yes. So, so Chariot Requiem is is coming for uh, uh, this this new arrival, and they reach out in order to strike them, not with their own fists, but with their stand. Sticky fingers. Oh my god! Oh, it's, yeah. it's Bruno. He's back in a working body. The day is saved. <laughs> John Cena's entrance music should drop in this scene. The hero has returned. Yep. He's come back to us on the third day. <laughs> oh, God. So, yeah. Diavolo, as Bruno, brings out sticky fingers and punches Chariot Requiem's arm that's holding the, the arrow clean off its body to be continued. And I know, I just know in my heart that they're going to be like, oh, it's Bruno. And then they turn around to find Bruno's body and just like, you know, bust two in the back of his skull. We're done with it. And he <laughs> yeah. won't be there. He crawled away when they were distracted every fucking time. Yeah. Guess what? That's not what happened. Oh, shit. Just quick check on the end credits. Uh, everybody who we haven't mentioned uh, since the last time we checked in is there, including Chariot Requiem. Chariot Requiem mm-hmm. is on the pillar now, above Moody Blues. <laughs> yeah. So again, as I, as I do, I checked uh, the, the wiki's list of manga anime differences, mm-hmm. and they claim that Trish's freakout was lengthened in the anime, which makes a lot of sense to me. That That makes sense, yeah. The joke plays out once, and it's pretty all right. And then it plays out, like, three more times <laughs> in quick succession. Yeah. So uh, the last episode we're talking about today, Episodio Trenta Cinque, The Requiem Quietly Plays Part 2. Uh, so yeah, recap of, of the body swaps and, and Bruno's triumphant return. And now, as Bruno has arrived, he immediately knows what's up. He recognizes everyone from their vocal cadence. Yes. And then he is congratulated by a haunted turtle, (laughs) who once again has to introduce himself by saying, I am Jean-Pierre Polnareff, and (laughs) expecting everyone to care and know who that is. Yeah. (laughs) I just want every scene where Polnareff turtle shows up to just always introduce himself. Like, that's just Mm -hmm. his catchphrase now. So, so yeah, we, we get a quick set rep here. The the situation as it stands is Sex Pistol number seven is babysitting uh, uh, Bruno's sleeping body, who, I mean, following this reciprocal swap rule, that's got to be the boss in there, obviously. While Mista has uh, uh, his gun and the rest of his stand trained on Chariot Requiem, just because we got to, that, that's our current obstacle. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Chariot Re- Requiem is slowly getting back up. So Bruno, 
as Diablo goes to pick up the arrow. It's still like being held onto by this the severed chariot arm. And as he goes to pick it up, Sticky Fingers' arm mm-hmm. uh-huh. busts out of Diavolo's arm and begins to choke him. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> Bruno's getting choked out by his own stand in a borrowed throat, yes. Yeah. So, so yeah, Sticky Fingers will not let Bruno get that arrow. So, so Meast is like, okay, I got this. Fires a couple rounds at the arrow to to knock it out of Requiem's grasp again, which works. Mm. But then uh, uh, the pillar behind him stretches and warps as Sex Pistol number one rides a a larger bullet than usual somehow. (laughs) Found a magnum round from somewhere, threatening to make, quote, that that thick skull of yours holier than a dog shit eating priest. (laughs) Number uh-huh. one has gotten profane. Yeah. Shame on you. So as this bullet is rocketing towards Mista, uh, Trish comes out with, with Spice Girl to soften the bullet so that when mm-hmm, it collides, mm-hmm. it doesn't do any damage. And now Sex Pistols number one is just like a rabid dog screaming and just kicking Mista's face repeatedly trying to kill him. He expresses a desire to, quote, paint the streets with your chunky noodle juices. <laughs> yeah. And so the other sex pistols have to come up and, like, slap the shit out of number one to, to you know, wake him up and, and return him back to normal. Meanwhile, uh, Re- Chariot Requiem just grabs its hand, puts that back on, grabs the arrow, of course. Mm-hmm. And just kind of just glues its, its arm and hand back on and just walks away. And so now the, the challenge ahead of them is clear. Like, Chariot Requiem is a rogue thing that, that its only purpose is to protect anyone and everyone from the arrow, including our, our heroic good guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and it can turn their stands against them to do it. Yeah. So it walks down the street. It's going past all those swapped people still, like, coming to terms with their situation. Mm-hmm want to bring up that you know this is people call like this is chariot requiem but any stand that gets hit with an arrow to get more powers people in the fandom just call a requiem stand so a lot of people believe that at the end of diamond is unbreakable that is also a requiem stand they think okay because uh, i mean i mean it wasn't the stand that got hit with the arrow it was a person exactly i was so, i was going to say i don't buy it and that no, would be my that, point yeah that's correct actually it's a person and a stand getting hit with an arrow gets different things just more powers or a completely new stand like as a pokemon that just evolved <laughs> chariot requiem has like eight powers mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah back outside uh we see that guy and dog that have swap bodies and there's a bit where like the person who is now a dog is just sniffing the ground and drooling and howling at the sky. And the dog man speaks in English. Yes. And yes. goes, hey, pipe down. This honestly feels like an editor bringing up the same joke I did earlier. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. Okay. The the man in a dog body has to actually speak or this old Coco Jumbo Polar F thing makes no sense. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I want to hear the little sparrow talk. Well, I don't know. The people voices, at least Polar F's voice is coming out of the turtles. So I guess it's not like when people switch bodies and they have the same voice. I just well, wanted to... what what if they were playing the long game and that voice actor was also doing the turtle noises <laughs> yeah, all along? Yeah. yeah. 
But meanwhile, back inside, number seven has a warning. Diavolo is waking up. Mm-hmm. And so Bruno orders his own body to be shot. But Mies is like, I don't want to shoot your body. You're going to need that. Yeah. <laughs> and Giorno, who's in on the reason that no, he's not going to need that, <laughs> just sort of assuages Mista like, no, 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 it's okay. Once the boss in Bruno is dead, I can fix the body and then we'll put Bruno in it right as rain. Right, Bruno? That's what you were thinking, huh? Wink, wink. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, Mista shoots the boss twice, and Narancha sounds like the all clear. There, there's no breath coming from this body, so they're all good. There was never breath coming from there's, that body. We need to be never, open. No secrets. Never. But Narancha is checking to see, like, okay, is there anyone else around on my radar? Oh, no, we're all clear. It's just us and, you know, no one else here. Uh, and Narancha sighs, you know, a little breath of relief. And it's like, okay, all we got to do is get this arrow from Chariot Requiem and we'll all be good. And when all this shit is over, I want to enroll in school again. He wants to go to school. He wants to eat a real good pizza. He wants to reconcile with Fugo. He's only three days from retirement. He's going to propose to his girlfriend because she deserves it. And he's discovered this big secret that the whole war hinges on. <laughs> yeah. They they could not signal he's about to die any harder. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yep. When someone just turns around smiling, thinking everything is is almost, you know completely wrapped up and says i can't wait to get home to eat a big pizza <laughs> that feels like you're gonna die any second uh, especially because then he like pledges to trish that he will protect her until his dying day which really makes me think that's today here it comes yeah like maybe 10 minutes or so meanwhile mista is asking trish like hey give me all of my bullets they're just all in your boots <laughs> that's that's where really misa should have been telling trish hey all of my bullets are in your hat but sure i guess there's more in the boots too but she hands them over except while she's handing them over they're suddenly all in mista's hands oh mm -hmm. shit oh fuck oh fuck yep and everyone's freaking out like hey how the fuck did time just skip we just blasted the shit out of bruno's body and that body has not moved at all. Diablo has to be dead, right? But Meast is distracted by something even more serious, even more deadly and worrying. Trish dropped four bullets on the ground uh, mm. uh, during the time skip. And, and Meast is not handling it very well at all. <laughs> like, you gotta drop one more bullet. You gotta drop one more. It cannot be four bullets. And so now is the time I'm thinking, wait a minute. How does Dopio factor into all this? Right? Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> but but the characters don't notice that because they don't know the special precious boy. <laughs> they do know a different special precious boy who hasn't said a lot in a minute. Uh, everybody, everybody but Narancha has been freaking out once they notice the, the missing time. And him not shouting about something is very suspicious. Yeah. And this is when Bruno looks to the pillar to his left and sees one of Giorno's ladybug buttons down below. And there's blood trickling all the way down this pillar. So they follow the blood up to see 
uh, uh, Giorno's body, which is Naraja, of course, impaled through every rod in a grate. Yes. Uh, uh, there are six, like, inch and a half thick steel rods through his body, like, pinning him in this sort of repose that I can only imagine is inspired by La Pieta, of course. Yep. Of course it yep. is. So, uh, after a moment, perhaps too much of a moment's, like, shock and, and disgust and despair, uh, uh, Bucciarati finally unzips, like, the bottom of this grate that, that he's strung up in, so the body, like, slips down and falls off of, of these rods. Yeah, and these rods are, like, going straight through his heart and straight through his brain, like... Yeah, yeah. This is bad. So Gold Experience gets straight to work just shoving gravel or whatever the fuck in there to make a new brain and new heart. Yep. And Trish, meanwhile, is just noticing that everyone outside is starting to wake up. And she's so confused because she doesn't know how the boss could have just attacked because she hasn't been able to feel his soul at all for a while. And meanwhile, yeah, Narancia is is all healed up. Giorno's body is fixed. And it wakes up. He wakes up. Yep. Well, that's not Narancia in there. Yeah. That's Giorno's soul driving two bodies at once. Yes. Yeah. Giorno just says this body is completely hollow. Narancia is already gone. And this is when you can see, like, the golden soul aura of Giorno kind of, like, superimposed over Narancia's body. And Giorno's just saying, like, this, this body is so empty, I, I can easily fill this with my own soul. He even floats the idea that he could be both of these boys for, like, indefinitely. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't do that, but he just wants everyone to know he could if he wanted to. Yeah. And this is when, like, both Narancia and Giorno's bodies start crying at the same time, because they're both Giorno. And Narancia's body just collapses as Giorno completely, like, his soul completely moves back into his own body. Giorno's, Giorno has this whole monologue of, and, and like a tearful explanation of, of his defeat. And that is still said while he is in Narancia's body. So like Narancia's voice actor gets to give the big farewell yes. speech for his own character, his usual character, while he's playing a different character. Mm -hmm. And like everyone, you know, begins to tear up and cry as as you you see the spirit fog, you know, kind of lift away from Narancia's mm. body. Mista, most of all, just huge oh, yeah. wailing screams of grief and the big, thick, bubbly tears coming out of Trish's eyes as Mista is wrecked at losing the little buddy. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Aerosmith's shadow does does a tour of the homeland it flies over napoli and and uh, uh catches fugo's attention yep. who looks up at it as it goes yeah then it flies over the broken monument in sardinia that really like marks the beginning of the end uh, uh mm -hmm. especially especially for poor narancia and and then we we follow it and it reveals that it's not it's not aerosmith it, it is a bird. It is a little, just happy, free, wild bird uh, that, that goes up into the clouds. And it's, it's, it's sweet. It's a touching little thing. Yeah. And that leads to a mid-episode title card with Silver Chariot, the normal one. And without the, the like, nah, 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 it, it doesn't have yeah, yeah. The, the music sting because we want to, like, maintain the, the gravitas, the, mm -hmm. the somber mood even into the following scene that, that still like maintains that stillness as everyone is just like 
sad, everyone's grieving quietly, and Polnareff, who did not know this boy, mm-hmm. breaks the silence and wonders if, like, wait a minute, what if that sweet pink-haired fella and Diavolo were one body with two souls? Yeah. Which has got to be so disorienting for, for like, subtitle-only people. Like, you said that. You said that eight minutes ago. Yep, yep. It, it really casts doubt on that being the most accurate possible thing. Or are we supposed to believe that Polnareff is like, wow, what if I wasn't making shit up? What if I was right? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, as, as Polnareff is wondering this, there's a bit here where Polnareff is saying like a person's mind can sometimes fissure due to a shock received as a baby. And we see like a black charred baby body floating in sp- space or something growing an extra head mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or something. And as it grows more, that extra head becomes extra other parts, and they split into two fucked-up silhouette bodies. Yeah. And so, so yeah, we're falling back on the very, like, common explanation, especially common in media about people with DID being, you know, capable of, of monstrous acts, or uh-huh. but not all the people in their head, just the one you really gotta fucking watch out for, mm-hmm. be, being a result of childhood trauma. Uh, Moon Knight, streaming now on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, but, but this is all, like exposition he's providing to support his theory that that bruno's body uh, with all of the brand new bullet holes in it is housing dopio and some other guy we don't know somewhere is is the vessel for the boss yeah they they have split up and so now everybody is getting on edge because it's just like okay who the fuck is diavolo now if a body can have two souls in it is he nearby? Is he one of us? Polnareff even talks about the 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 incidences of like people with multiple personalities that have physical differences going on. He's been reading the same articles as Risotto. <laughs> yeah. He does not bring up any German philosophers, at least. Yeah. So everyone's priority now still is to try to figure out where Chariot Requiem has gone. Because we're having echoes of Kira in the boss now once you find the guy he's not the guy he's a different guy now mm-hmm. uh so, so yeah the, the big question is is the boss coming to finish us off one by one or is the boss after the arrow and Polnareff is like hey uh yeah he's definitely after the arrow we should go get the arrow and as they're getting ready to leave Giorno puts his hand on the pillar that Narancha's body is resting against yeah uh and just says you know, sorry, we got to leave you, buddy, but no one's ever going to hurt you again. And we're going to bring you home with us. And as they they run off to go after Chariot, you can see that Giorno had imbued that pillar with Narancha with life energy so that a bunch of beautiful vines and flowers kind of grow around Narancha's body. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's getting an elf funeral, uh, as he <laughs> always wanted. Yeah, yeah. Finally, finally, we leave the Coliseum. Dawn has broken fully as they, they run south past all of the comedy bystanders. Mm-hmm. Perhaps the most significant bit of, of shtick that happens here is the, the criminal who is now in a cop has, you know, busted out of captivity because, you know, he's not handcuffed anymore. The cop is. Yeah. And he begins catcalling Mista yep. uh, because he doesn't see Mista. He sees Trish, after all. Mm-hmm. And so he gets shot through the cheek. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then Mista takes the handcuffs and runs one of them through the hole in his God. cheek 
which is then attached by, you know, the other side of the handcuffs to a lamppost. So he's just locked there. God. Yeah. <laughs> I have to assume Mista did something with the handcuff keys. So this is not a simple thing. Yeah. But Jesus Christ, Mista. <laughs> uh-huh. Jesus. Oh, when they're running out of the Coliseum, there's a really quick bit, too, where, like, Trish is the, the one furthest in the back. And as they're running out, they run by an area that's, like, heavily in shadow. And as Trish runs by, you can just barely see for a couple frames that King Crimson's head is floating in the shadows. Ah! ah like a horror movie. And, like, she stops for a second, just go, like... Because she, like, clearly felt something briefly before she's called, you know, like, hey, you're, you're, you're lagging behind. So they're all rushing forward, trying to catch up to, to the slow, uh, methodical pace of Chariot Requiem. And Bruno gets there first and slows down to match that pace. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, scoping out the situation, taking a look. And it's like, mm, I bet I can just trip this guy. And he does. And it works. Yep. So so Giorno reaches out to grab the, the dropped arrow that has clattered to the street, and Gold Experience's hand starts emerging from, like, Gold Experience's fingers start reaching out toward Giorno's face, coming out of the back of his own hand. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he's like, ah, that's not, I'm, I'm okay, I, I, get, I get the message, not, not doing that. Yep. So he tosses a rock at the arrow, and the, the rock does not hit the arrow. It just stops in midair, revs up, and, and flies straight at his face like a yeah. bullet. Yeah. So yeah, the arrow's just repelling everything that tries to grab it, and, and nobody can get close. And they've been carrying Polnareff with them. Yeah, Polnareff's still they- here. They need a coach, I guess. And so Polnareff just starts wondering out loud, hey, I wonder what would happen if someone who didn't have a stand tried to grab it. Because all of this, all this stuff is stand related. I guess he didn't notice the rock. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> Mista just replies, why are you asking me? I'm not a stand scientist. Yeah. And this is when Polnareff goes, I'll get the arrow. And you just see this little <laughs> turtle Polnareff with the arrow in his mouth. <laughs> this cute little turtle holding the arrow in his mouth. And so while while he's holding the arrow, he's like, hey, Mista, summon sex pistols. I want to stab them. <laughs> yeah, just fucking everyone stab your stands with this arrow. Get some cool ass powers. Come on. And this is when <laughs> Chariot Requiem turns around and it starts just booking it. Yeah. Sprinting just, back toward Polnareff. Yeah. Yeah. This here is when we hit our cliffhanger. If you put the the gem key into Polnareff's body, would Mr. President let you in, or does he not have a stand? Mm. He says he doesn't have a stand. Yeah. If you put the key into Polnareff's dead body, where the turtle wound up... (laughs) Yeah, wait a minute. Is Mr. President inside the the dead French body, and no longer inside the live Mm. turtle body? Right, right. Oh, God. There's, there's so many possibilities with Polnareff now. So yeah, in, in that moment where he's like, hmm, what would a standless, how, how would this react with a standless person? Anyway, I'm a standless person. I do not like his explanation for how that is true for him. Mm-hmm. I think it would make more sense if he said that he is standless because Requiem has gone rogue and they are separate entities. Yeah, yeah. Then the whole like, oh, I the instant I died, this happened, and then this happened, and through this like chain of technicalities, I don't have a stand anymore. No, just Requiem is solo, you're solo, you don't have a stand anymore. Yeah. This would also cover why he could just snatch it out of Requiem's hand back <laughs> in, in flashback times. Yep, yep. 
becomes independent, like a fucking Anubis or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Who I'm sure was forged by the guy who made the arrowheads way oh, back God. when. Yeah, 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 yeah. I still believe this, and, and all this, like, arrowhead lore is only making it more clear to me. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe the steel of Anubis is from the alien... Oh, shit. <laughs> the alien virus meteorite oh my god but then if people were getting stabbed with a sword they would get stands maybe <laughs> oh well it was forged differently he did different oh sure sure he it yeah, forged yeah. differently done the, the the forging process killed the virus in the the, mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> there's just like a little bit in the hand that binds it to you and mm, that's why sure. when you take anubis you get more fashionable yeah makes sense <laughs> I love this part of, of of part five. It's just wild. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I'm when I watched this for the first time, and I was just like, "Oh shit, Polaris back! Damn, that's kind of cool. I missed him a little bit. That's neat to see him." And then he died pretty quick. And was like, "Oh man!" And then he was a turtle. I was like, "Oh, more Polaris!" <laughs> but now a he's turtle a turtle. That keeps reminding you he's Polaris. <laughs> God, the next time Polaris has to like report to speed the Speedwagon foundation and he's just a little turtle and has to fucking talk to joe taro like this and they'll be like where have you been the last 10 years yeah yeah <laughs> the mafia took away my phone i'm a turtle <laughs> now polnareff d- does work sometimes for the Speedwagon foundation still but now he's a turtle and there's mm-hmm. the bit where you're not doing the exciting investigation stuff there's a bit where you just got to do reports and that's just powerpoint presentations and i'm just imagining polnareff as a turtle getting put on a little podium with one little <laughs> turtle foot like on the little clicker to change the powerpoint slides oh he's got to hold a laser pointer in his turtle mouth yeah 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 <laughs> but I mean, we should talk about the departure of Narancha, mm-hmm. the, the angry little gremlin who is worse at multiplication than a human being should be. Yeah. Should be should be capable of being. Yeah. It's a very sudden, like, he goes out like Avdol does almost, where mm-hmm, it's just mm-hmm. like a very sudden, like, almost like kind of senseless death where it's just like he was here and now he's gone. Abakio is the same way. He's just like yeah, out in a second, blink of an eye. Yeah, no, no one's going out in like a big fight where they they you know they win or they're just able to barely save somebody but die in the process. They're just getting murked. And yeah, at least Abakio left behind yeah uh, his stands smashed face sculpting. Mm-hmm. Narancha is just like, hey, we're safe. No, we're not. No, we're not. Yeah. Abakio doesn't have as many, you know, scenes about him as Narancha does. So when Abakio dies, it's just like, oh, okay, damn, that sucks for Abakio. But like when Narancha dies, it's like, fuck, dude, I like mm-hmm. that little guy. I mean, yeah, what, what's the, the first thing that really keys us into how these guys are with one another is like uh, uh, Narancha listening to music and uh, uh, Mista tricking him and, and breaking his, his CD player. <laughs> yeah. that That is where Passione begins. You know, mm-hmm. like he, he's the strongest initial personality for being this weird, this weird little guy who can't do math and will stab people in a moment. <laughs> he's really the first one to to be fully formed like it, it takes a while to see all the sides of mista i don't think we ever really saw all the sides of abakio but like naranch yeah. is just there immediately and powerfully and for him to for him to go man man you've it's a real real loss yeah 
the way people re the the way the rest of the gang reacts to Abakio's death and Naranch's death is noticeably different, especially because like like everyone's extremely torn up about Narancha. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. people were, and he, and he was asking them to be as torn up about Abakio. Yeah, yeah, and it does like it. It really does make it feel like Narancha is almost like the heart or like the life of the group in a way. Mm-hmm, like. Mm-hmm. He he's a bit of the goofy the 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 wacky <laughs> the wacky glue that keeps them together yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh no, Jorno turned it into gorilla glue again. Oh man, god damn it, Jorno. And also, I'm curious if this was a anime edition or not. The very brief bit of Fugo. It was. That's what I thought. That's it what I thought. It was. It's a really nice addition. I, yeah, I'm really I'm really glad they did it because like I think if he knew. That uh, uh, Narancha would not be coming back from this, he would have gone just to mm-hmm. like be there for him in his final moments. Yeah, or or maybe like having a rage monster death machine stand. Could oh have God! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> God, the amount of fights that could be solved by him just punching something and then melting everything in a ten foot radius. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like the whole sunlight disinfectant thing and you get to fights that have different lighting conditions or something Mm -hmm. there's there's something there there's potential there that really was left on the table when fugo is just like ah i'm not gonna be a character anymore bye yeah yeah Uh, you you can see me in a book later bye yeah but yeah naranja's death hits me pretty good in this like i really feel that one and the the loss the rest of the characters feel when when he dies yeah it's a bummer it's a bummer but we do have to move on just like his best friends in in the whole world Mm -hmm. because there is a there's a big black leather uh uh, latex (laughs) freak stand that uh uh, has has an arrow we all need desperately (laughs) yeah so next week we are going to be talking about episodes 36 and 37 only two mm-hmm. uh diavolo surfaces and king of kings yes yeah getting very close to the end here we've only got four episodes left some some crazy shit coming up and mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. already a series of three episodes for some really crazy shit happens there's still more crazy shit <laughs> yeah yeah anything could happen as soon as like a notorious big popped up and they had to take a moment to turn to the viewer and say, if you thought there were rules, th- you're wrong. There aren't. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's let's see where this goes because I am prepared. I never thought there were rules. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, if you thought you'd already seen all the crazy ass like powers of Chariot Requiem, you're wrong. There's even more that we haven't seen. It's great. Number one, make everyone sleepy. Number two, body swaps number three your stand is my stand now don't touch this fucking arrow (laughs) yeah there's still more i'm very excited to see to for you to see those just that one alone has to be the the strongest conceptual stand ability yeah whatever you think you can do no you can't i can fuck off (laughs) yeah but yeah i guess until then see you later to be continued